Hi, I'm R.A. Salvatore, Bob Salvatore. Been writing fantasy books for 25 years now and going strong, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment over here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. And Genretainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. And for today's show, we chat with producer Ron Newcomb about his upcoming film, The Rangers. Which is currently in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. Yes, and we also speak to him about his previous film, Rise of the Fellowship, which you can probably guess by the name has something to do with Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And we also speak about Genre Wars, a film contest which is spun off into an upcoming web series. Okay, now you may have noticed that we've slowed down on our new episodes, and that is because we have been swamped with projects of our own. Oh, yeah. Well, besides my upcoming book coming out later this year, Yay. Uh, we have been working on a new anthology web series called Whispers from the Shadows, Woo-hoo. where we have uh, teamed up with the very popular Lovecraft easing to adapt some of their best short stories into short films, all wrapped into a Lovecraftian style Twilight Zone type of series. Or Outer Limits, which is... Or our, whichever one you like best. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I like them both. I was always partial to Outer Limits, I think. I don't know how many times they blew up the earth, but you could probably make a drinking game out of it. Um, now, we're just wrapping up auditions, and we'll start the process of picking the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And um, did we mention that Doug Jones from Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. and Falling Skies and a whole bunch of other Lots things. Of stuff. Um, anyway, he's one of our stars. Yes. Very cool. And he will likely be joined by some other actors whose work you, you may have seen. Yeah. Uh, we'll be announcing that soon. Uh, and we have an amazing music composer, Troy Sternling Nice. Yes, very uh, good. You probably know his work from the Call of Cthulhu movie. You can probably check it out on Netflix right now. Uh, a lot of the HP Lovecraft uh, Historical Society radio dramas. Yeah. And we also have Britton Watkins, the language consultant from Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Uh, whom is developing the fictional Aklo language for the series. And I don't know, we just got so many talented people in it's front really of It's really exciting. Um, it takes a lot of talent both in front of and behind the camera to really mm-hmm. make something like this work. So we're really grateful to all of them for their hard work and their amazing talent. Yeah, I think we're going to make something really special for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you can learn more about it if you go over to uh, Whispers from the Shadows Facebook page. Or you can follow it on Twitter at Whispers Series. Now, we would like to mention before we get started with the interviews that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, we've already done, um, <laughs> Reality on Demand. Now, it's a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy, and you can find that web series of ours at realityondemandseries.com. We're all over the place web series. Yes, we are. Just look us up on the web. <laughs> Just look at web series. We're in there. Somewhere. Yeah. And now it's time for our interview with producer Ron Newcomb. The elves speak of our kingdom as young. And in their timeless eyes, young it may be. But we have bled to keep it our own. On its distant, wild borders, a band of elite warriors stands, protecting the vulnerable against our enemies. They are the Watchers, the Hunters, the Rangers. Okay, 
Okay, so today we're joined by Ron Newcomb, producer of Rise of the Fellowship and producer of the upcoming The Rangers, which at the time of this recording, and you're hearing it for the first time, has a Kickstarter going. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Big fan of you guys um, ever since uh, we met at Gen Con. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So we just get started with The Rangers. What's, what's The Rangers about? Yeah, you know, so really it's kind of the whole epic storytelling fantasy element kind of mashed together. It was when I first saw Strider, you know, sitting at the end of the Prancing Pony, puffing on his pipe, that infamous scene that Peter Jackson gave us and Tolkien had written. And I began to wonder, who is that character? And I grew up in the 80s where we had kind of a renaissance of fantasy films. And so, you know, I had Conan and Krull and Excalibur and all these cool films. And even, you know, in the in this uh, science fiction vein, Jedi and what they were, at least what I thought they were, um, and kind of all mashed together, I, I had started to to pull up together this concept, this idea about these epic group of rangers, kind of the Navy SEAL of their land, live out on the periphery. They're the voice of the king. They're much more than just soldiers. They're the judge, jury, executioner at times. They're the, the police force, the local uh, first line of defense. And they find themselves on the periphery and they begin to uncover this darkness that was has kind of moved into legend and myth. People don't even believe it exists anymore and certainly they start to uncover it. And it's where we find ourselves in the story as Lieutenant Wolf takes his small group and his force of elite rangers and on this epic journey. So it's been a lot of fun to write. You know, it's my own creation story. You kind of start with the world and kind of branch out from there. But it's everything that I love, you know, action, adventure, fantasy elements. And I'm excited to bring it to life. And we decided to try to do it through our crowdfunding campaign. Mm -hmm. Is this your first Kickstarter or have you done before? I've been a part of other campaigns. We've done Indiegogo and I've been a part of another Kickstarter campaign, but this is a first one that I'm really kind of spearheading. I've supported a lot. You know, Kickstarter can be kind of addicting. You go on and you start <laughs> to, to, to get on, um, you know, our friends over at, at Aiden five and, and things and uh, zombie Orpheus, all those guys, um, you know, they're putting a lot of good product out there and it's hard not to get, uh, see their passion and get excited about what they're doing and follow them. But what I've learned is, is that crowdfunding really is about the crowd and not so much about the funding. Funding is great and it's great if it goes viral, but it's really about green lighting your project, you know, kind of putting that proof of concept out there and a group of fans being able to validate what you're doing and then join with you and add to your voice to get it created. So to me, that's much more powerful, much more impactful. So how much are you guys trying to raise? So uh, the ultimate goal is uh, about 50000 which with after Kickstarter and, and PayPal kind of take their cut and after the rewards it leaves us about $35,000, which will get us about 30 minutes of content. My ultimate dream would be to turn this bad boy into a feature film. So we have some stretch goals that are a possibility. I've actually kind of outlined it out as a trilogy of three films. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly it's not like if we can just do 30 minutes, it's a fail. There's so many avenues out there, so many outlets, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, even looking for original content, that that's still a great win. It just moves us into the episodic format. And certainly what the guys are doing over at uh, Zombie Orpheus with uh, webisodes um, is certainly very appealing as well. So it just depends on which way the fans allow us to kind of go is where I'll move the way the story is told. It won't change much of the story, but how I present it 
um, it will be kind of dictated by the fans. Mm-hmm. Have you already cast the film? No, you know, I, I intentionally didn't want to begin a bunch of casting. My first love is acting. So I didn't want to have like all the meaty roles gone and then people not be able to kind of really, truly be a part of this thing. So we're doing all of our um, casting online. And I just recently, just a few days ago, cast the second role, um, made an offer live um you know, and in color and made the <laughs> offer. And that was a lot of fun. He's one of the Rangers. Uh, Flint Tanner is the character, kind of this gruff of a warrior guy. And so I've made that cast. The other one that I've I cast from the get-go was Lieutenant Wolf. My film, Rise of the Fellowship, had a really fun character named Baba Melvin. It was brought to life by a guy named Wolf J. Sherrill, who is a professor and teaches acting at a, a local college here in Virginia called James Madison University. And he was so brilliant on screen. I knew two things. One, I wanted to do a fantasy. Two, I wanted Wolf in it. So that also helped me create the story, actually. So so two roles are, have been officially cast as of right now. That's great. Yeah. From what I've seen in the, in the teaser material, it looks like there's some pretty cool costumes, pretty cool props, swords, and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, how you came about getting all yeah. that? Yeah. Did yeah. you already have some of this on hand or...? Well, I'm an uber geek. You know, I'm a nut. I'm I'm from the genre type, um, certainly, and, and you know, kind of love that part of it. But I knew for fantasy, we had to bring it. You know, you couldn't have your orcs looking goofy or stupid and your rangers not looking elite and sharp. Um, I'm a former Marine, actually. I've had a kind of a diverse background. I was actually a cop for a while and done some things. But kind of having that Marine, you know, in the background, I, I knew I had to get things right. So that's where I brought on another producer, um, a gentleman by the name of Skip Lipman, who did a documentary called Darkon, which is a great documentary about LARPing. And I'd seen the documentary. He's local to me. I'm out of the Washington, D.C. area. We call the DMV. So it's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia all come, come together. He's out of Maryland. And so he provided a lot of the wardrobe for our guys for that teaser. But we've actually done something really cool. When I was at Gen Con last year with Rise of the Fellowship, because we had won Best Feature Film the year before, we got to come back and have a booth. And I was talking with a company called Medieval Collectibles. And when you can't always raise funding, you're always looking as a filmmaker, as at least as an indie filmmaker, of different ways to kind of um, lower your cost. And so I hooked up with a company called Medieval Collectibles, and they're going to be outfitting us with elite ranger gear and orc gear and swords and weapons and all kinds of stuff. So it's been a great relationship that I'm excited to kind of bring to the table. So our guys, I'm I'm confident are going to look great. And then you can, I really wanted to show you guys what our orcs were going to look like. You know, again, they had to look like real orcs. This particular orc on the teaser is what we call a, uh, a dark orc or a black orc, who's kind of more of an elite type of orc. Um, And so that particular orc, um, I hired a guy out of Utah, uh, Chris Richard Hansen, who has been working on some films with a company that I love that's doing indie fantasy right called Airstorm Entertainment. He did the prosthetic, and then I hired a local guy, Bone Man, to put on and apply the prosthetic of the orc. So it turned out we only had a day to film, um, and that turned out awesome. We had a, we had a great time and a lot of fun, and you could really start to go, holy cow, man, we're, we're pulling this off. It's turning out great. <laughs> great. I'm guessing because it seemed like there was, you know, there's a fight scene in that teaser. And I know you um partly involved with, with Genre Wars, which has a lot of yeah. fighting. And yeah. I'm just curious, is it, can we expect a lot of fights in this? 
Well, you know, it's it's got to be epic. It's got to have action. It's got to have adventures. So definitely, um, you know, we start out in the, on, in the script just to kind of give you a little prelude. There's a, a, a sense of a chase scene and kind of the introduction into our main character. There's certainly a fight. So in the first few minutes, boom, we're we're in a we're in a uh, a fight for for your life type of thing. Um, and I'm very conscious of that. They, you know, they kind of say a comedy has to have uh, a laugh in it every three minutes or so. And action-adventure, I kind of follow the same rule. There needs to be some action going on, some type of conflict going on. And, you know, we're not just going to put it in there. We want the story to drive it. But certainly I'm very conscious of that. I want it to be not just a drama. There's some dramatic moments in it, but it's more of an action. So you can definitely uh, expect it. In fact, I've been studying up as a filmmaker. Anybody has any suggestions of what I should be watching? It's kind of an interesting um, you know, a little bit of, of studying to do is go back and look at all the great fight scenes in film. And that's what I've been doing lately. Great. Good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about, about your beginnings. What started you down this path? How did you first get in film? You talked a little bit about being a Marine, about being in law enforcement. I mean, how'd you find your way to this? Yeah. It's kind of a roundabout way, wasn't it? You know, I started out and understood and realized um, two things when I was young. When I was playing role-playing games, I was kind of a jock. So, um, you know, at school, I was I was a football player to the girls. <laughs> but <laughs> secretly, I was going home playing D&D with my buddies. So and you were like I, Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I had two different identities, and I kept them very separate. And I learned the power of story, you know, playing D&D. I think Ben Diesel kind of says the same thing. And, and so that was where the first idea of story became really powerful. And then I also remember as a young man... Um, when I was when I was real little as a kid, a film made me actually cry, made me emotional. And I knew the power of film at that point. And so those things I kind of, you know, you kind of zoom forward and I got introduced into acting at college and ultimately went to L.A., had an, got an agent, moved to L.A. as a young man and tried my hand at acting. And and you're just, you know, it's kind of sand to the beach kind of scenario. It was just so many people out there trying to do it. I came back and thought, well, I guess that was my acting, you know, film career, and became a police officer. And it was on the police department that I met another buddy of mine, Jim Clock, who was doing a, a feature film independently. And I started to help him out. And I realized, holy cow, we can do this. And it was there where I really began to see the true business opportunity, not just doing it for the fun of it, but as a viable business option. Um, he, had, he went on to, to win a couple of awards um, in a little indie film, um, called My Turn. And so I started to help out with shorts and other features. I uh, started, started to get, you know, read everything you can, watch all the videos. And started to, uh, I took a course on script writing and, and things, tried to immerse myself in it. And, but Rise of the Fellowship, I got to direct another feature film. A husband and wife team asked me to direct. So that was my first prelude into directing a feature. And then I pulled the trigger on my own, Rise of the Fellowship, um, as a, I, you become a producer in the independent world, um, by default, mm -hmm. but, um, directing is what I've found my new love to be, which has been a lot of fun. Great. I know we've seen uh, rise of the fellowship on yeah. Netflix. So. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so for rise of the fellowship, what, what prompted you to do that? Cause that's, that's sort of, um, 
uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. I don't want to say parody, but it's definitely nod to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely our, our Lord of the Rings. It's kind of like, you know, our love letter, you know, to, mm-hmm. to Tolkien, if you will, mm-hmm. in a way that we got to play in his universe kind of in a modern time. And, you know, when you're doing a film, we had to have a couple qualifiers. We had to be able to do it, you know, affordability and things. And you're trying to attach a talent to the project. And we couldn't do that. We knew that our customer base really... Um, was going to find which game we got attached to the film was going to be of interest to them. So getting the Lord of the Rings online video game attached to the film really opened up a lot of doors. People couldn't believe we got attached to that IP. Um, and it's, you know, it's about four kids that go on an epic journey that parallels Lord of the Rings. And it's, it was a lot of fun to do. It was kind of driven out of my own personal passion and desire for Lord of the Rings. I was one of those nuts, you know, right after Lord of the Rings uh, filmed and I saw it, I, hopped on a plane and went to New Zealand before all the little tours and stuff were there. And I actually have an Elvish tattoo that I got in New Zealand. And it's a big deal because it's my only tattoo. So Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was with some buddies, you know, obviously very sentimental and, and stuff. And, and I'm just, a, you know, like I said, kind of sappy when it comes to fantasy. And so that's really what, what was born what was Rides of the Fellowship. It was my love and desire for, for Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings, and a way to kind of recapture that adventure in my own little unique way and mash it up with video gaming um which was a lot of fun to do and we did we got distribution ended up on the shelves of walmart and um sam's club and you can find it if you go to riseofthefellowship.com you can find it the million and one ways of of all the ways that you would think would be out there um we've been very pleased with our distributor and then we also have a sales agent so we've been selling internationally as well which has been cool to see because you never know what language it's going to end up (laughs) does it um what language do they have subtitles or do they have they dubbed it over you know that's a great question because they're still like in the midst of um a lot of them what happens is you kind of lease out the rights to them and they they buy that and have the ability to kind of monetize it however they see fit so for some it's um for some it's going to be doing it theatrically some it's just selling dvds and all that stuff so mm. it, it's it's really interesting because we don't know all the ways that they're going to monetize it some it's going to be straight to just putting it in stores and in other ways so i've seen um we have set it up that they can easily dub it that's part of the international sales requirement is that they can dub it um but i haven't seen it yet fully either dubbed or subtitled but as soon as i do i've seen like in germany and things they have it translated i'm trying to get my hands on a copy myself (laughs) (laughs) that would be great that'd be cool yeah so you guys did that it's been very successful you're just true oh i am i'm curious so you you you're able to attach that to the the video game how difficult was that to arrange it were they pretty uh welcoming to that idea or did they resist I, I don't know that we could, you know, strike twice doing that again, only because at the time it was a company called Turbine that owned the rights to um, to use the Lord of the Rings in a video game format. And now they've been since bought out by Warner Brothers. And, oh. you know, it's, it's just a sizable conglomerate, not that it's anti Warner Brothers, just that you would have to go through so much to get an approval. It would probably be difficult to do where Turbine was a kind of lean and mean machine. And we the guy that I talked to in an email was the guy that could make a decision type of thing. Uh-huh. And they were great. They were very interested because what we did was as filmmakers, we gave them a unique way to market their film. It wasn't about 
us trying to get something, we were trying to provide an opportunity for them as well. And it would be kind of create a win-win situation. So they were immediately really excited about the possibilities and they pulled out all the stops. They put us, um, if you're familiar with MMORPG style games, they put us on our own server and we kind of had Uber powers and could do mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff with it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I was a fan of, of Lotro beforehand. Um, anyway, so I was already playing it. We actually wrote it with that in mind. We looked at some other games, like we went into discussions with Blizzard, so with World of Warcraft. But Turbine was, like I said, lean and mean, so the, we, they were able to turn things around a lot quicker. And that's who we wrote the script for anyways. I would say uh, it, they were the perfect ones, but, you know, yeah. compared to the others you listed, that seems like it was the primo choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It really was because we knew who our fan base was and, and Lotro was it. And with that tapping into that IP, we knew that opened some doors and it did, in fact. Great. All right. So between Rise of the Fellowship and the Rangers, there was, there was genre wars. Yeah. Yeah. Genre wars was, was a lot of fun. It was really my own personal desire with some other filmmaking friends to say, you know, how do you shoot this uh, fight scene, you know, or sword scene, or how do you do this cool epic action scene? How do you film that? And so for from moving from that thought, um, I can't just go out. I'm the type of filmmaker, I can't just go out and just film something. It's got to have a little bit of a purpose. So we came up with this little backstory and stuff. We did the short film Genre Wars. And what I did was we made it a film competition. So I would do like, let's say the first short, the first five minutes, I would you know, in my chapter, if you will, right then and there, then people would compete to come up with their own chapter two. And we would put it out on YouTube and people would vote by liking that person's particular chapter. And then that winner would continue the storyline. And we made it to four different chapters, four different, uh, you know, filmmaking perspectives, taking different genres and, and mashing them together in a sequence. And then um, the filmmaker, the young man that plays Randall in Rise of the Fellowship, his name is Justin Moe. He's actually quite a filmmaker himself. He's actually taken the concept onto a whole web series now. And he has a about two hours worth of content that he's in post-production on. And he created a whole web series based upon Genre Wars. And it's called Genre Wars Resistant Rising. So I'm really proud of him. I'm helping him produce that. And so that's where it's at right now is it's kind of was turned over to the to the hands of Justin and for him and his team to go and, and have some fun with. But it was a lot of fun to do. And a lot of people still kind of send me emails saying, hey, what's the next chapter? So it, it was cool. I was glad to, to kind of meet a need. Well, cool. Mm -hmm. So probably people who are listening to that are probably wondering how you're, you're mashing the genres. What was the storyline for it? You know, it was a world where you could take every genre together and there was this item, really undefined item, because we wanted to be able to define it as as um, chapters went on. And it was called the Oneum. So they're on this world. And what's kind of keeping the peace is the Oneum. And the chapter one is the Oneum comes up missing. And that kind of throws things into starts it to turn it into chaos a little bit because everyone's trying to um defend that it wasn't them and then kind of point the finger at the other people so you're thinking of all the fun genre types um we had fantasy modern day mercenaries steampunk um all the different ones that you can think of nothing was off the table and you know obviously you got to suspend belief a little bit but 
how it all coexisted has been a lot of fun for Justin and, and his team to write. They've done some really cool stuff with it. So, um, you know, I'm excited. You know, steampunk is is not necessarily a, a new genre, but it's a newer genre with not a lot of content out there. And they've embraced that and have been having some fun with it. Awesome. Then you went on to the Rangers. So Yeah, man. This is the story that I have been I feel like I've never been more excited than than a, a story about this. Um I actually did do a documentary right before this called Made in the USA, where this guy went around for 30 days living only on Made in the USA products. That was rather interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Justin Moe was my uh director. Uh, and we're working on a TV deal right now, which is which is really cool and, and kind of allowing me to understand TV a little bit. Um, but the Rangers is the story that I want to see. You know, if I could put anything down on screen, what would I want to see? It's this. And I realize it stems a lot from me growing up in the 80s and all these cool Renaissance fantasy films that we all grew up with that I felt that the studios now... And I'm not knocking the studios. It's just different. It's not wrong. But they have a formula. And when it, when a genre is not making money, they have to move on. you know. And so all these fantasy films that I loved, not all of them made money. And so they began to move away from them. You know, Lord, Then all of a sudden, Lord of the Rings shows up, and, and everyone's trying to do fantasy. And again, they, they don't do it well. And they kind of bomb again, you know, um, A Night with the King or... or uh, or in the name of the king, you know, is, is kind of one of them. And they, they didn't do well, so they started to move away from them. And then TV, Game of Thrones, does well. And everyone comes out with their own version, Camelot and all this stuff. And they don't do too well, and they start to cancel them. So fantasy is a funny genre. It's an expensive genre. Um, and these studios can't do them fast enough for content fans that are consuming fantasy, that really want fantasy. And I'm from this genre, and I know how people consume it. And... The other thing that we've done is the whole what's called a transmedia approach. So if you're a filmmaker or a content creator out there, you're listening. Transmedia really is all the different ways a fan can consume a story. So it's not just the film. It's maybe a battle in a card game or the graphic novel or a video game or the miniature. And we have all those as an option in our rewards package for our Kickstarter campaign, save the video game. That's the only thing we didn't pull the trigger on yet because we would need our own Kickstarter campaign just for that. But <laughs> the Rangers been a lot of fun. You know, like I said at the beginning, it's kind of these elite Navy SEAL type guys on the periphery uh, borderlands. And you could see that little teaser. That's just kind of a little side story between the dark orc um, assassin versus our Lieutenant Wolf character. And, you know, the story is just shaping up nicely. It's it's epic in scope. It's a lot of fun. It's very, very much a la Game of Thrones and, and Lord of the Rings. And even things, like I said, that we all loved from Star Wars. I kind of pulled it all together in a story format. Um, but I created it. It's it's original IP. So it's original to us and what my team ha- has created. It's not just me, too. I've, I'm not the best writer. I, I roped in some some other teammates, uh, Scott Mathias, who co-wrote Rise of the Fellowship, his business partner, who was at one point the, one of the top 10 independent authors on Amazon with a fantasy trilogy called um, A Hawk and His Boy, uh, Christopher Bunn. I pulled him in. The we A lot of us know the fan film Born of Hope that was created by Kate Madison over in the UK. The writer that wrote that is named Paula DeSanti. I pulled her in too, and then I pulled in Skip Lipman from the Darkon documentary. And then 
you know, just a bunch of other people from the prosthetic guys for the orcs to getting um, Ben Dobbins from Zombie Orpheus on my board of advisors, along with the Aerostorm Entertainment guys who are doing some really cool epic fantasy films right now. And you should go check those guys out and support them. Um, and then just kind of, you know, pulling it together. So it's been, I'm excited, man. I, I, I just, I can't wait to pull the trigger on this thing. <laughs> well, good, good. Uh, so what's some of the rewards you're offering? Um, you know, that's kind of the, the neat thing too, is that I've really, like I said, I'm an addict on Kickstarter. My wife says, you know, that's it. You got to stay off it. I, I've supported a lot of campaigns because it, it's like shopping, you know, you get to go around, not only do you get to help support people, but you get some cool little stuff. So yes, I, uh, I have to say, if you I'm on your wife's side. If you have to take out a second mortgage, it's time to step away from the computer. I know. It's, <laughs> you're probably spent a little too much. Yeah. So, you know, certainly what we did was we took a lot of the campaigns that were successful, wrote down all those um, from graphics to rewards. What were people putting in their videos and, and all that stuff? And what rewards would we want to see? You know, starting from the big grandiose king package all the way down to um, a dollar because some people don't even take you know a dollar they want you to come in at a certain level but to me it's all about the crowd development so at a buck you're putting your name with us you're helping us build that momentum which is essential in crowdfunding and and helping us you know get out the door with this thing so you can get some at, I think at $15, you get an exclusive behind-the-scenes access. So we're not going to put it that out there on everybody. It's going to be controlled. Um, but very much what Peter Jackson did with The Hobbit, he was really good about putting these behind-the-scenes videos out there. I'm going to be doing that the entire life of the Rangers project. Um, so that comes in at 15 We have a digital package at 25 where you get uh, the poster, the, the score, um, the soundtrack, uh, and, of course, the film for 25 bucks all digitally. If you just want the film, you're like, I don't care about anything else. I just want to see the film. You get that for 10 bucks digitally. Um, at 30 bucks, you get a signed DVD with some cool epic Kickstarter specific things on there. At $60 is the geek package, which is a lot of fun because you get the Lieutenant Wolf miniature. So the little D and D miniature, you know, or, or mini, mini battles. Um, we have a whole miniature little campaign. We'd love to kick off, but you get the mini, you get the collectible card game we've created, which is turning out nice. You can see some samples of the cards on there, therangersfilm.com. And then you get, you know, of course, the whole digital package at, uh, I think it's, it's 75 and it maybe 100 bucks. But anyways, you get to actually join one of the units. So if you want to, let's say, join our orc unit, you get an enlistment paper, embossed, sealed, um, that's frameable that we're going to send out to you and your name will be in the ranks of uh, the orc unit. You can join the rangers, you can join the dark elves or the wood elves. Um, all the way up to like 2500 bucks. Uh, I've roped in a really nice artist to do an acrylic painting of you or a loved one in that type of genre style. Uh, so fantasy, you can find yourself, you know, a ranger or your, you know, someone else as a orc or a dark elf. And this is acrylic painting. I mean, these are Really, really nice. You can come on set and follow me around for a day. It's called the director's package. I think that's a uh, in there as well. You can, if you're a writer and have a script and you send it to us, we'll give you no, not only read the script, but we'll also give you notes. There's opportunities on there to do um, a Skype call, one-on-one, -on -one where we talk about filmmaking, not just our project, but your project. And then, of course, um, the Uber package, the King package for 10000 You pretty much get everything. Um, I think there's a couple others in there that I should mention. At $100, the mini, you can get the Lieutenant Wolf miniature painted by Skip. 
He also does because he's he's so into to LARPing live action role play. He's been producing LARP weapons for years, and he's made a Ranger LARP sword um, at one of the packages. But at ten thousand, we're gonna fly you in. We'll pay to fly you in. We'll, you'll be at the screening, but before the screening, you'll also, you'll get a private one on one session with me and just you and I sitting in a room while I talk about the project and uh, maybe some other producers. Um, and allow you to ask questions um, about the story, the, you know, the, how we did it and all that, um, as well as going to the, the fun rap party, which we're going to have, um, of course, in costume. Um, <laughs> so I've really tried to, to br- you know, really bring things that I would want. Um, and like I said, it's more about mobilizing the army than it is about anything else. So hopefully people look at the rewards and get excited about it. So, you know, we have a lot of filmmakers, web series creators who listen to the show. We um, do? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. There's at least one, maybe There's, two. No, I, I think, <laughs> I think I, there might be three now. Nice. But uh, so, so I'm curious, and you're still kind of, you know, you're in the middle of the Kickstarter still, but is there any kind of tip you would give someone who's doing a Kickstarter? Or just crowdfunding in general? Yeah, and how much of yeah. a full-time job is just the Kickstarter campaign? Oh my gosh, you're, you're so right about that, is that any time that you think you're going to have to spend towards Kickstarter, double it. I mean, it really is a full-time job. You need an army. Filmmaking's not a solo sport, neither is Kickstarter. Um, you got to bring in the people, I think, to really help out, like the graphic artists and things. Um, of course, you got to, I think, have a cool video. You got to have your rewards set. But really, it's all about finding those channel partners that can get the word out to the masses. So, you know, you're helping me with that. You're giving me a voice to your fan base that never would have heard about me before. And that's the way independents have to be. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do right now, um, and I, I got to tell you, even for film, this is this is a hard thing for all of us to do, is to when you're putting out a press release, right? I mean, so many people don't pick it up your story and run with it. And why? And it's trying to create newsworthy outlets and newsworthy worthy news and it's so difficult to do when you don't have a name you know attached to your film because that's predominantly what drives media and whether or not they're going to run your story and i'm still trying to work through that i mean we're trying to talk through some uh, a-list talent to do a cameo or something um even if we get to a certain level um like at seventy five thousand, we'll probably be able to bring on at least a cameo of an a-lister i'd like to be able to announce that because then it helps with media because it's all about getting to the right people that they can get to the masses you and your little list are never going to be able to make your campaign go viral it's just not going to happen and so i encourage people to really do their homework about like okay once we get this out there who's going to help us make it go beyond where we're at and then just tapping people um you know you got to be persistent but respectful and there's that balance of not overwhelming people either you know and losing people so it's i don't know that i've i've hit the media stride yet i'm trying to and i'm trying to get something newsworthy um because they're not just going to be like oh yeah it's a cool project you know they see it as well that i'm basically advertising for you you know um this isn't really news so i'm trying to create newsworthy stuff without doing something stupid and get myself arrested (laughs) <laughs> i don't want that to be news <laughs> well that'll get you there that's true one of my crew members can do that mm, there yeah. you go it's a team <laughs> effort <laughs> you've accomplished something a lot of independent uh, filmmakers have a hard time doing it you've got distribution yeah uh, pretty good yeah. distribution i think so 
you know what worldwide so i'd say pretty good yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's it's not too bad you know we have you have um your sales agent who does your international stuff and doing all your sales and going to all the um predominantly film markets you know a lot of people think the film festivals is where money is exchanged and that's generally not the case it's usually at film markets the best festivals are going on in tandem with the markets such as Cannes and Berlin and Toronto and things there's usually film markets going on that's where the money's really exchanging hands so we we got a sales agent uh, the US has their own film market American film market which happens every year in Santa Monica you can go there and pitch your your project um, usually a feature to you know sales agents and that's kind of the first step of the pitch is you got to get them on board they get excited about it so that they can turn around and sell it but then you also have your domestic distributor and our distributor phase four films they do a lot with um, um, Netflix and Redbox and things so I get excited about those guys and I, I think again it's kind of like what makes a story newsworthy what makes a film sellable? And if you don't have an A-list talent in it to try to make it sellable, um, it has to either be a high concept or with us, we had the video game, The Lord of the Rings Online. That IP opened a lot of doors. People were like, okay, how did you get attached to The Lord of the Rings? And with The Hobbit still coming out, it was almost a no-brainer. Um, guess when we launched? You know, We launched in December, right when The Hobbit came out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was obviously very strategic and intentional because once people find something and fall in love with a story like that, they want to consume it, and there's never enough stuff out there. So people start looking for periphery things like Rise of the Fellowship, and certainly this is one, and we're proud of that. You know, I don't mind that people first fall in love with Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit and then find us and, and find it a sweet, family-friendly, you know, um, epic uh, coming of age story about these four teenagers. So I think that was the other kind of trick is to figure out a, an angle that our distributor would be able to sell it. And they saw the same things, thank God, and 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 assigned us. And they've been great. It's been a lot of lot of fun. And what's cool about it is once you get that distributor, well, guess what? I went with the Rangers and showed them the Rangers, and they loved it. And they were. Um, you know, talking to us about if we can get it into a feature, they think, you know, they're pretty confident they can sell it. Mm -hmm. And fantasies right now are selling. You know, you put a dragon in something, man, it's sold, you know. <laughs> so um, so I'd love to bring this this to, to life as a feature. But you're right, man, it's so difficult to get a, a distributor, isn't it? You send out so many inquiry letters and stuff. Um, I think the, the advice definitely would be, you know, what angle are you going to are you going to play? Mm -hmm. Well, and I like how you, you said that you described yours as like this family-friendly kind of sweet coming-of-age film. And I was wondering because, I mean, I, I I know I take some flack because I like those kinds of movies. Yeah. I mean, I think about the movies I grew up on as a kid, and I was like, they were good then. And then I can go back and watch them. I've watched as an adult, and they're still good, solid filmmaking, but it, yeah. it wasn't someone getting killed and raped and dismembered every five yep. minutes. And, and I mean, have you noticed, um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but so maybe you haven't noticed it, but is there as much of a respect in the independent filmmaking community for someone interested in making something more family friendly or is, you know, you know, do you have to kind of fight against the, it's not dark enough to be serious? 
Yeah, right, right. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, and again, I, I was talking about we had a renaissance of 80s fantasy films. I would also say the same thing about family-friendly films in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we intentionally, as, as writers and story creators, talked about um, Goonies and Karate Kid. And, you know, where are those films? You know, yeah. what happened to that type of filmmaking? And you're right. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching those with my, you know, I have little girls and stuff. Um, the family-friendly market, what's brilliant about it is not only do you get the kids, but you also get the parents. Mm -hmm. You just get a whole family experience. So your sellability is actually really nice. And you're right. Independent filmmakers, because they generally can't get a name talent um, attached to their project, they usually... Um, pick a very genre specific film, predominantly horror. You know, there's a lot of horror stuff coming out, but I think you're just, you're one of the many, you know, you're sand to the beach type of thing when you're just creating another horror film. Now, I, granted, there are some people doing great independent horror, but I think that's kind of the expectation because you don't need a, a name on there. You can do, um, you know, uh, paranormal activity and they didn't have a name and they had a low budget. And so you're like, oh, okay, that's as an independent filmmaker, what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> well, you're missing out on other opportunities, other genres that people are looking to consume content. I'll tell you another place that, that we've actually are doing well with rise of the fellowship is there's a lot of TV out there internationally international television is looking for family-friendly content. They can't put all this other stuff out on their airwaves yeah. and they're kind of looking for the indies to kind of fill that gap. So we found a nice little stride with that. Um, you know, PG films, PG 13 films actually, um, uh, believe it or not, outsell, uh, their counterparts, um, in certain genre spaces. So knowing those demographics that also helped make the decision but it was also something that i wanted to see and i wanted to be able to bring my family to type thing too that's cool great yeah. you know we usually ask like if there's a funny story on set obviously gamers or excuse me the rangers <laughs> rangers hasn't the rangers happened hasn't happened yet although he did shoot a little bit of a yeah. bubble film though so yeah, so yeah i did have a i did shoot the teaser and i and i do have a um you know for for crew members out there uh, we had a guy, a shooter, he, he was a great guy. I've worked with him before on some stuff and he had just bought a drone, right? With mm. a GoPro camera. Yeah. You actually see the shot in the teaser where we have Lieutenant Wolf running and it's this real, you know, it looks like the shot from the helicopter, what it's just supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Completely brilliant shot. I love it. And it really raises your production value and stuff. And it turned out great. Well, I wanted another shot of him where we would bring the drone real low over top of this water. And then all of a sudden it rises up and... <laughs> And you can see where I'm going with this. It <laughs> rises up um, and it catches our Lieutenant Wolf, you know, running on the on the open plains next to this water and make it look really epic. Well, we had been using the thing all day and he was getting used to it. And like I said, it was brand new. So he sets off, man, operating this drone and starts to head towards the water to skim over the water. <laughs> and it was kind of some ice on the water, too. Um, boom, down goes the drone. It just lost power. Oh, and he had this brand new drone. I felt horrible. The thing just dives into it. Well, guess where he went? He went <laughs> down in the water and recovered it and was actually able to save the dried the, the drone out and was able to save it. Um, thank God, because I would have felt horrible if it just would have been lost. But um, he actually made a video of it and put it up online to say, hey, this is what you don't do with a drone. <laughs> so um, that certainly was one little oops. Funny. Yeah, you're right. It's it's funny because he got it back. <laughs> yeah, right. It could have been, you know, tragic and I would have been crying uh, having to, to pay for it. But because, you know, as independents, anything, writing a check is just 
you're you're trying not to do. You're trying. You to, might as well write it in blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's a little bit of a funny antidote that I think filmmakers would at least appreciate. Like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you won't see that footage except for the behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you recovered it, you see it actually going to water and everything. Yeah, so. yeah, you do actually. It's it's pretty funny. Like I said, you can find it on YouTube and you, and you see it. It starts to take off and then down in the water. And it's the GoPro still going, man. It's still recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fish coming up to it and <laughs> it hits the bottom you see it go all the way to the oh, bottom oh wow <laughs> yep well great well we'll wish you the best of luck with your kickstarter yeah. Um, yeah, yeah no i definitely appreciate it you know like i said originally it's people like you that are giving indies like me a voice and and we couldn't do it without each other so i, I appreciate you guys taking the time to to give me the chance to talk about, I know I get uber geeky excited about it, but <laughs> I am, I am very excited about it. Well, I know <laughs> so, I'm really excited to, I can't wait to see it, see the cool. Rangers. I yeah. think it should be a really good film. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so before you leave, go ahead and tell everybody where they could find yeah. uh, the Rangers and everything else. Shameless plug yeah. time, pimp all your stuff out. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, certainly with the Rangers right now, it's, I just made it easy. You can go to the Rangers the Rangers plural film.com. And that kicks you right over to our Kickstarter. Um, and then that can send you back over to, let's say if you're an actor, you want to audition, um, therangers.mymiddleearth.com is our actual website. I'm, I'll just redirect the domain back to our website once the Kickstarter's done. And then um, for Rise of the Fellowship, if I'd love your support on that. You know, that's one of the things we got to do as independents is support each other. And so riseofthefellowship.com, you can find out all the ways, Amazon, Netflix, you, it, we have all of it listed right there where you can find it. And then usa30days.com is my documentary if you want to give that a look. And then don't forget my buddy Justin Moe at, at Genre Wars Resistance Rising. You can um, like him on Facebook. He's got a Facebook page for it. And, you know, it's all about sharing the wealth and getting the word out. Um, so uh, you can hashtag us on Twitter at The Rangers Film as well. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And yes, thank you. It was really great. And like I said, we're really looking forward to this. Good luck with the rest of your uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. You guys can be be thinking about us sending us good mojo and vibes because, man, this is so daunting. It's like, <laughs> you know, as every dollar gives, you get excited. And then when time goes, you're you're down in the dumps like, oh, gosh, we're not going to make it. <laughs> you know? So it's, just, it's, a, it's a journey. But, it's, but, like, it's like Hank camping out at a casino. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, they always, uh, if you don't, highs and the lows. don't get it right away, it always seems like they surge big time near the end. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, our friends that are doing the uh, Dungeons & Dragons documentary that came up to, to, to Gen Con, they had um, a great surge where they ended up making um, their goal plus some. So, uh, yeah, I do look for that type of story and, and hope for the best. <laughs> I'm hoping fans are out there wanting fantasy. We'll see. Well, there are. Well, good luck and God bless, and we certainly hope you, <laughs> I'll you keep, get it. I'll keep retweeting it, too. <laughs> yeah, thank you. thank you. It'll make us look bigger. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot. Right. You have a good night. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much, guys. Hi, I'm George Strayton, screenwriter of Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, thanks to Ron for speaking with us, and please go check out their Kickstarter and consider contributing for it. Or if you can't afford, then just share the campaign with your friends, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we are super busy right now with pre-production on Whispers from the Shadows, but we do have some great guests still lined up for this show right here. So keep an eye out on our Facebook page. Um, Marks' Twitter account also, which is at Mr. Marks, uh, or our website at genretainment.com. Yep. And before we go, I do want to mention that I will be judging again for the Geeky Awards. You are so judgmental. I know. <laughs> uh, they're taking submissions right now. So if you make something geeky, whether it be a web series, short film, podcast, uh, all sorts of stuff, they got lots of categories, then you should check out the award show. And it's over at? Uh, TheGeekyAwards.com. Please check it out. It's a fun show. No matter what, they have tons of great stuff. So if you're a geek and you know who you are... Send in your stuff or just check it out. A cool geek. A, a cool geek. All geeks are cool. Of course. Geeks r- r- inherit the world, right? Rule the world. Pretty what much. Was that from Leverage I always said, uh, the hacker guy used to say? Oh, I don't know. I like him. That's a good show. <laughs> we miss geek Leverage. Shall inherit Moment of silence for Leverage. I know. Okay. <laughs> Sad. All right. Well, that's it for today's Genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. And you can keep track of us at genretainment.com. And... and don't forget, you can also check out the other great shows on the Sci-Fi Pulse radio channel like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and more. Genretainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until, Until next, next time. time. Bad monkey.